Hey folks, welcome back to the Wrench Tuners Podcast, the show that's about improving life, well-being, and productivity of mechanics everywhere. I'm your host, Mr. Joshua Taylor, founder and CEO of WrenchTuners.online, a business providing content, training, and digital products for service leaders and mechanics everywhere. On today's show, we get a great many lessons from a great coach, Joseph Clementi, Vice President of Service Operations at Mobility Works, or also known as Coach Joe. Today, we get into being mindful of the some of the people around you, the importance of saying no, the speed of the leader is the speed of the team, empathetic communication, and fairness being subjective to the individual. Just as a note, this was recorded live at NADA 2023. Let's get into it. All righty. So, um, very simple. So, my goal and I think your goal are both roughly aligned. We're trying to help people. Help people. Okay. My goal specifically is to help technicians be happier, healthier, and more productive at work. So, most if not all of my podcasts, I think at this point have been successful at coming up with at least one idea that the person I'm talking to that is significantly more experienced than I am, such as yourself. What is one idea, one tidbit that you could give a technician in a service shop, whether it's a dealer or independent or a mom and pop shop? What, what could you tell them that would help them in their day? That would help them in their day? Um... I think there's two aspects. One is mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And you posted something that was very powerful the other day about finding the resources necessary to deal with the anxiety, the stress, the 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 frustration that happens when you're working on a vehicle that you can't seem to fix, or in the context of working in flat rate, how do I make enough money? So there's all these ancillary things. The one thing that, that I think technicians can do is surround themselves with people that are interested in their growth, right? Because many technicians will, you are the sum of the people you surround yourself with, right? And if the idea is that, you know, I'm gonna come to work, I'm going to do my job, and then I'm gonna go to the bar and hang out and drink alcohol and come home and share my frustrations with how bad the day went, that's not only destructive, for the marriage, destructive for the relationship, destructive for the technician. The key is finding the right people. How do you surround yourself with the people that have the same level of care that they have for themselves that you should have, right, as a technician? It's not easy to do, but if you find the right environment using social media, you can find people like yourself that have a genuine interest in helping people, right? How do I have an impact on somebody that doesn't really want to invest time or energy or any level of commitment to their own personal development. And personal development are multiple areas, right? Health, spiritual, right? Their their psychological development, their mental capacity. All those things have, they're manifested in the hand-to-hand skills they apply every day, right? As a technician, your mindset is, I can take something apart and put it back together and it'll operate better. They can have that, technicians, when I say they, the technicians can have the same mindset of, how do I break this down to a more manageable level, more manageable piece, and then put the parts back together so that I can 
manifest the things that I want to accomplish? How do I balance my life around the chaos that happens every day? How do I balance my life at the end of the week? There's a lot of studies, and I think you talked about this on one of your podcasts. There's a lot of research now about the use of alcohol, right, and drugs to to really uh, modify one's behavior. And so as you go about your day, by the end of the week, if you spent three nights out this week partying, drinking, you know, just going home and, and loading down a six-pack, by Thursday, your physical body is not prepared. So how do you surround yourselves with the right people, the right people that are going to influence the right behaviors? You have to, you have to change your surroundings. I think what social media does and experts like yourself do that matter the most is they speak to the individual, right? When we are talking about professional development, coaching, uh, providing guidance for, for people to redirect their course, it really is, you have to have, there's either a wandering generality or a meaningful specific, right? The old adage that either this matters to me or it doesn't. And when I have a podcast as well, Balance Cube, um, so, and I want you to join us. But when we talk about leadership and leadership development, it is really centered on the idea that we have a meaningful, specific, somebody who is really interested in finding balance in their life. Balance has everything to do with physical, emotional, spiritual, right? All the well-being that you are vested in will manifest in different ways. It'll, it'll spread throughout the shop, right? You have a service manager who knows this top level of technician, maybe it's his master level, maybe it's the advanced level technician, is a rock star. And they have a somewhat normalcy to their life. They are much more productive than the person who can turn a lot more hours, but is really destructive in the shop. That spreads too. I think having the right environment where you can nurture those things is key. It is. It's, it's, the, it's the foundation for how do you make change, but that person has to be willing. 100%. And, and to, to make sure that I'm, I'm absorbing this correctly, so finding a good balance, both yourself internally and externally around you, you know, the summation of the people that you hold close to you all of the time, all of the time. Um, being in, in the right environment externally so that outside of the people that are around you, but the physical environment, if you're not comfortable the environment you're in outside of the people the physical environment you're in is going to tremendously affect you my dad likes to say that if you're not happy at home you're not happy at work in, in the place that you live so if you're not happy at home and i don't necessarily mean the people that you're with right. but if you're not happy going home to the home that you're in whether it's whether you rent or whether you buy or whatever the case may be if you're not happy there you're not going to be happy at work and the same is true at work if you're not happy in the environment you're at work both from, from a physical place an actual existing physical space you're not going to be happy at home and it's a cyclical downward motion so if you're in that where you're not happy find a way to break out of it if it means that you need to find a better shop to work for or you need to surround yourself with different people or even if it means moving up the street maybe that's something that not everybody's plausible yeah. for but changing your environment whether it's the, the people or it's the place that you're in or maybe it's a process that you're dealing with i get that i, I understand that and you know as we grow and mature you know, throughout our life, we, we have people that come in and out. Some stay for a long period of time, some leave our lives because it's intentional, right? They're, they just don't offer anything that adds more value to your life. And so that part of funneling 
is really important. The technicians would say, in... Would you say that's kind of like saying no? Yes, yeah, saying no is critical, right? You have to have the ability to simply say no. Not I apologize, hey, I'm really sorry, Joshua, I can't. Just say, no, that's not for me. I have to have the ability to say no. You talked about changing environments, right? The old adage is the grass isn't greener on anyone else's street. And that may be the case as a general guideline. But if you're in an environment that's toxic and you're working in that environment every day, to your point, you're taking that home to your home life. And the first thing you wanna talk about is Look at all the bad things that happened today. My jackass boss did this, the technician next to me did that. You should have seen what happened here. And then your spouse or your significant other, all they're hearing is negative, is negative, 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 negative. And so if you can think about a tunnel, the deeper we use the shovel, the deeper the tunnel gets, right? And so if we keep piling the dirt behind us, eventually we're gonna get covered by that. And that's a metaphor for what the real challenge of professional life is like in an automobile dealership because you can have culture that is supportive of its individuals that helps their teammates that gets to know the individual what is your why you started this by saying your why is to help people right to make a difference my why is very simple I want to be able to impact people so that they can have a life-altering effect they can change everything and that they want to change but you have to have a willing participant. Someone who's saying, you know, knock on wood, um, you, you need to pay attention here. And then there's others who just close the door. So, I, I, attitude is everything, but so is your environment, right? I heard a phrase, and I'll take it back to a movie, and it's like, attitude reflects leadership. So, if your attitude is poor, it might be your attitude. But if your attitude is poor, it might be your leadership. So my number one rule, and I say it until I'm blue in the face, is as a mechanic, your first priority is finding a good leader. If you don't have a good leader, it's going to be very, very challenging for you to be successful in any measure, whether it's personal or professional. Because they set the tone in a place where you spend most of your waking hours. Right. And that tone goes everywhere, into your personal life and, your, and back cyclically back into your professional life. So that good leadership and it's difficult to measure good leadership because everybody's different the speed of the leader is the speed of the team right oh, so no matter how fast drop. that leader is leading or the way they're leading is going to be the resulting effects of the team what 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 is vastly underrated is individual leadership development for leaders right we have managers managers can manage everything from the kpis to the to the process to to you know go work on this van to the dispatching side leaders don't do that leaders involve everyone right i often talk about self-discovery because it's easy for me to say joshua go do this when you fix this car just do this this and this it's easy for me to say that as a manager, and it's easy for Joshua to go apply what he's just been told. However, does Joshua learn what he was just told, or does he just do it? And if you don't understand the why, it's awfully difficult to replicate it. Yeah. Because yeah. if you understand the why, you don't need to be told again. Very, very important, right? Because once you're told why, and you, you understand why, here's the thing I like to redirect that. 
the why is that is is critical. It's an element of everything that we do. You, when you get to know a person and you get to connect with that individual, you know their why, right? You know it's an extension of their family or it's it's their professional skill that they want to evolve, or maybe it's making you know independent wealth for themselves. Whatever that why is, once you understand that, it's easier to help that person come to a conclusion by asking the right questions. Even for a technician to say, you know, I, the way we learn, right, our cognitive function is I take in information, but do I really store that information when I'm told? Mm -hmm. However, when I learn it, when I'm part of the solution, I can now retain that information. It's easier to, we, we call it the, the mental file cabinet, mm -hmm. right? Our mental file cabinet is we're full of memories. We're full of, you know, information recall, but we have to know which drawer it's in. And in order to do that, you gotta help the person learn the proper method. So we always ask, you know, when a, when a technician might say, well, what do I do in this case? How do you want me to fix this? Instead of just saying, put the bolt here, turn this nut there, you know, torque this, we'd say, what would you do in the normal in, uh, circumstances? What would your best direction be? What do you think needs to be done? Based on your experience and what you learned, what would you do? Well, I would do this. And instead of saying you're wrong, right, you make them part of the solution. Well, if that was going, if you were to do that, Joshua, and it was going to create more internal engine damage, what would be an alternative course? The whole idea is we're having a conversation about you learning rather than me just saying, go torque this, tweak that, you know, tighten down this. Having an empathetic conversation. There's, it's a conversation, right? Where learning can be active. Well, you know, I do remember one of my instructors telling me I need to do this. Now the recall for the file cabinet, the metal file cabinet, there is, there's information stored down there. They just don't know how to access it. So when you sit down and you have a conversation, that 10 minutes of five minutes of, of Q&A, you're an active listener, you're an active participant. Rather than, and you've seen it, right? Okay, boss, what do I do? Listen, I told you last time, Joshua, go tweak that, torque this, tighten that. What did, what did Joshua, Joshua learn? Nothing. 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 But I already told you. Why didn't you, why didn't you learn it the last time? And you could pause it right there. I already told you is a great way to elicit anxiety, stress, overwhelm, conflict. Very little learning, if any. And if the negative happens, you're going to get lower productivity. Right. You're not going to get any education. You're not, not going to get any buy-in for doing more steps. Because they're just going to tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to learn anything. I'm not going to learn anything. It's not going to benefit me in, in a way that I can be more productive so I don't have to come back. Right. And then what do they do when they get home, right? Yeah. They, they, that shovel we talked about earlier, they're yeah. just piling more dirt on it. Yeah. And then their significant other, whether it's a family member or you know a spouse or, or perhaps a you know a significant other, all they're hearing are, all, "Why don't you get out of there? You should leave there. Go, you know, go leave." Well, I can't. This is my security blanket. There's nowhere for me to go. Mm -hmm. I would say for any technician, find the right social environment, whether it's social media or whether it's connecting through a professional platform with people like yourself that were like-minded who said there's a better way. All you have to do is look for it. Look for a better way. And more times than not, why do people leave a job? Manager. Yeah, it's their manager. They're leaving because they can't stand their boss. They're leaving because their boss won't acknowledge their simple wins. 
instead of saying, hey, great job, I noticed what you did in that situation, it was a great choice, thank you for doing that, and there's four other technicians around, mm -hmm. guess what they're gonna hear? Yeah. Wow, that's really cool, hey, you got, you got a nice shout out this morning. What's the other thing they're gonna hear? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what, you fixed it, that's what you get paid for. Yeah. Now, what does everybody else hear? I'm just a number. I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a cog in a wheel, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I'm making somebody else some money. There's no value. There's no connection. But that manager on the other side, who's had no fundamental leadership training of their own, what they're doing is manifesting what they learned, which is that just tell them to do it. Yeah, do as I say. That autocratic style of leadership of I did it this way. You need to learn that way. And it, it doesn't—it doesn't work. We need, to, we need to shirk the movement. We need to change the narrative. We need to empower technicians to become leaders, because there's there's a couple of things that can come from that. If you are an empathetic communicator as a technician, you can be an empathetic leader of technicians. You still need to take leadership training. You still need to get as much education yes. as you can to be a leader. But if you can be an empathetic communicator, you can get the team rally behind you. And for leaders who haven't got the empathy to do any education in leadership, those are the things that we're trying to change the narrative of. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really appreciate you. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. I also need to thank the sponsor for this episode, Fixed Ops Marketing. Create and distribute as many videos as you want, as often as you want, for one low price with prestige. Reach out to the folks at fixedopsmarketing.com to schedule your demo today. And now, back to the show. We don't need the negative to keep We going. don't need it. It's, it's, it's a cycle. It, you know, we call it the hurricane, right? Because what does it do? The hurricane comes in, whips everything up, it spits it out at the end, destroys it, and then someone is left behind to put the pieces back together. More times than not, it's the technicians doing the work. Because that, you know, that, that windstorm that just came through was the boss, you know, right? Not the leader, the boss, who came through and just whipped up all the energy, whipped up the storm, knocked things over, and left the room. It, it's it's disastrous on so many levels. You can ruin an entire shop in, in an instant. And yet we say, I need a technician. Give me more technicians. Give me more technicians. Well, why aren't they coming to you now? We're not coming to you now because you don't have the greatest of environments. Your culture exists, and I said this earlier, whether you realize it or not, it exists. They feel it, it's the lifeblood of the organization. And if your culture isn't centered on your teammates, your employees, and your clients, first and foremost, then they're gonna go somewhere else. And they're gonna keep going through, like they're gonna keep going through shop after shop after shop. Technicians are leaving businesses at a, at a rate of between 18 and 24 months. 53% of technicians are changing jobs every 18 to 24 months. Think it's, about that. That's an astounding, astounding number to me because that means that there are ladies and gentlemen leaving shops, whether they have a job or not, they're leaving shops, they're leaving their income, their lifeblood of the, themselves and their families because the, the energy and the environment and the leadership is not what they need. And instead of changing the narrative necessarily for themselves or around them, they're just, they're taking the risk, they're going somewhere else in hopes that it's greener pastures. And right now, at, at the rates that there is, if, if, if the 80-20 rule exists, it exists in spades for technicians everywhere. If they have to job hop every two years, 
and it's an 80-20 rule, meaning you have four bad managers and a fifth one that's a good manager. It means they have to job hop at least five times to find a good manager. And right now the statistics are showing that technicians are leaving the trade between 13 and 16 years, which means they might not make it well, to that fifth job hop. Right, and they're leaving for a myriad of issues, right? One of which is the physical condition of being a technician in that environment with the natural burn and grind and, you know, the grease monkey mentality, which doesn't exist in today's environment. But as you go through that and you start to, you know, kind of break apart little pieces by little pieces, you lose connection to why you started in the first place. And, you know, I know through talking to technicians that are excited about what they do every day, they come to work because work has a purpose. You gotta find something that gets you up early, it keeps you up late. And wants to keep you engaged, whether you're doing it or not, whether you're physically doing the act or not. If you're a technician out there, and I think we all need to, to share this message, that you are unhappy, where you dread going to work in the morning, where you're taking your time to get ready, intentionally gonna be late. When you're in that point, now's the time to tap out. But I also say, take time to learn about the, the new place you're going. What is their culture? Mm -hmm. What are their purposes? What are their core values? Many times, you know, dealers that are, are looking for technicians, if you can imagine a pond, if you will, right? 70% of the technicians that are that are happy are in the middle or lower end of the pond. They're not looking. And the, the technicians that are very unhappy and that have bounced from location to location to location, they're at the top of the pond. And what most do is they throw that, that, that uh, fishing line out and they catch the top of the pond, right? They catch the people that have been to five, six, seven places not really connecting with the individual. And then that technician is gonna to go to their fourth or fifth place and they're gonna leave. Many times it's not the, it's not just the environment, it's the person, right? Sometimes you gotta fog a mirror and go, wait, this, this, is, this is about me. Mm -hmm. I'm happy doing what I'm doing because of all of these things. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with health, right? A lot of it has to do with you know, we talked a little bit about alcohol, drug abuse, those things that occur for a technician. Many don't realize the connection, right? They don't realize the physical connection. Even if you remove abuse, and that word is is really negative and, and very bad as from a mental standpoint, but even if you remove abuse, um, some, some statistics that I'm, I'm trying to find out the correlation between and do my due diligence on, but we were in labs, uh, on, on their podcast yeah. was, was talking about the effects on neuroplasticity and how your our chemistry, make, yep. your ability to make decisions and your stress levels. So even so as little as 14 drinks a week. So if you have two drinks a night, every night, which isn't that much, you have a drink at dinner, drink after dinner or whatever, you sit down comfy on the couch and have a, have a bourbon and a cigar while you, you know, read the latest news, whatever the case may be. Even as little as two drinks a day or 14 drinks a week can affect your cortisol levels. So that your next day and every day thereafter, if you're doing two drinks a day, is affecting your stress level. So your base stress level, if your stress level should be zero, and it should be zero. It's never gonna be zero, but if it, if it was zero. That's your baseline. Two right? drinks a day immediately rises that stress level. Nothing to do with your cognitive stress in the day. Just your base chemistry of cortisol is affecting your stress level. So taking that into account, 
drinking in moderation is now quantifiably something that they're suggesting it's 14 drinks or less a week. Let it affect you less from a chemical standpoint. So we're not necessarily just talking about technicians with everybody no, in general. Yeah, absolutely. Just that. Think about a manager who does the same things we mentioned about a technician. Now they come in and that first level of stress, that anxiety, that, that frustration, who's the first person that hears it and feels it? Is it going to be a technician? Mm -hmm. It's certainly not going to be the client that beat them up the day before for something that didn't go right. Mm -hmm. But they're going to manifest that ne negative energy into the shop. Right. You come in to, to see me about a, a, a problem or a, a challenge you're having, right? And I blast you. You know, I'd already told you that last week. Why are you coming to me again? Either learn the job or go somewhere else. And I'm, I'm not even being figurative. That's that's the connection they have. What do you think the technician's going to do when he gets back to his bay? Exactly. It's not going to be all applause and happiness, right? It's going to be negative, and then that's going to spill over into the next bay. And it might take him twice as long to finish the job because he really doesn't still have an idea no. where to go. And it's. It's something that we need to, to help solve. It's something we need to help support. Um, everybody needs some, a little bit of support. Yeah. Some some folks need a lot of support. Some folks only need a little bit. Maybe it's just a little bit of appreciation or a little bit of connecting with another human being on the day to, to stay positive, whatever the case may be. It's something. A little something. And everybody's a little different. I, I use the phrase personalization at scale from a leadership standpoint. Every individual, every every tech on the floor has a different set of needs, desires, wants, goals, dreams. And if you don't know even remotely what those things are, if you don't know what their spouse's name is or their children's name is or what they do when they leave work so that you can have a empathetic communication with them the next day. Hey, I remember you were going to the baseball yeah, game last how, night. How did the game turn out? How did the game go? Right, right. And it's one thing to do it once. But if you're doing it regularly, so it's no longer a, oh, he's just talking to me because he has to. It's a, wait, he does this every week. It's not on the same day. It's not the same time. This individual actually cares about who I am. Right. He cares to take care of me. There has to be a connection, right? And if, you, if I understand your why as a technician, and I understand what, why you do what you do. There's an automatic connection to the value proposition, right? How we connect our core values to why you're doing what you're doing. And when I can make that connection to your personal life, and it doesn't have to get really personal, but it does have to, you know, I understand you went to, you know, a football game yesterday. How'd the game turn out? How did your son play? How did your daughter do in this? How did, how did this work out for you? Um, that four-minute conversation at the so-called water cooler mm -hmm. is a great opportunity to just connect on a more personal level. And if you've got 60 technicians or 50 technicians, it's not easy to do, right? It can, it can take time, but it's that time that makes the difference. When they do have a problem with you uh, or a situation they don't know their way around, it's easier for them to come and say, listen, Hey, 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 Joe, I'm really struggling with this. You know, so-and-so told me to do this, and I think that's the wrong thing. I'm struggling right here. Taking that four minutes to have that conversation and redirect, powerful. Investing in your people and they invest in the business. Yeah, 100%. There's a direct correlation, right? Mm -hmm. And what we want technicians to, and I think what technicians want, is purpose. Why am I doing what I do every day? I've, I've heard the discussions about 
flat rate being a disruptor, right? We still have flat rate years and years later, and it worked for the, the automotive world forever. Is there time to change? It is might it, be. Is it? Yeah. It might not be. It, it, I think there's all different strategies. That conversation around how people are remunerated is is something that needs to be had on a more serious level, not a complaint level. It needs to be a conversation. Why are we still using what is being touted as an antiquated system? Well, it does work. Fundamentally, it makes the process easy for everyone. It's easy for a service advisor to sell work to a customer and explain why it costs what it costs. The, now, the dollars per hour that you charge on the door is, is subjective by, right. location, by location, by brand, and so forth, but the, the hours are easy to quantify. It's like when a service advisor talks to a customer, this, uh, this averaged out nationally or, or however it, it came to pass in, in depending on the brand and so forth this is what is a fair rate to do the job it's a, a productive number so it's a fair thing to charge because everybody around us is going to charge the same amount of hours to do the job and pay the technician the same amount of hours to do it and quantifiably through the the administration process of the work order it's easy to quantify to the technician this is a fair rate of pay now fair rate of pay uh, by hours is a, a subjective conversation that we're having right now where some warranty things or many warranty things aren't necessarily being fairly paid but that's a different conversation that's not talking about flat rate that's talking about minimizing the value of the hours that are being paid to a technician from a manufacturer standpoint that's a different conversation I believe I don't believe there's anything wrong with flat rate I don't believe there's anything wrong with flat rate what I believe is that there is a difficulty and a major challenge for leaders to ensure that the technicians are fairly paid, irrespective of whether it's hourly, flat rate, uh, a gross base commissionable pay. Fair is subjective to the individual that's receiving it, period, across, across pay scales. Across right. pay, and that's where the personalization of, at scale of how you communicate, how you pay, how you keep the environment uh, in the standard with which your team wants it to be. It's all subjective, but it's subjective to the individual of the team, not just the team itself. The, the, the challenge with flat rate isn't necessarily its structure. It is more about its connection to today's technician. Mm -hmm. um, when you come out of tech school and you've hear, heard the stories, boy, you can make 100,000, 150,000 when you become a master level technician. You know, you can break in the box and turn the hours. And as they come into the field, they start learning, wait, 30 hours is more the norm than 60 or 180, right? And and so those there's that disconnect between the role, the individual, and the, the compensation. And then it ties back to core values, the why. You know, why are you doing what you do? It's not just to keep that client on the road. If it's just transactional, anyone could do it. It has to be tied back to the whole environment. And this is where leaders come in. Uh, we were having a conversation about bringing technicians on board, right? Mm -hmm. you, one technician from the fellow Chrysler store is leaving them because he's unhappy with that environment. He comes on board with our team. And the first thing we do is tell them, park your tools in bay number four. There's a car on your rack, get to work. There's no connection to the culture. There's no connection to the leader. There's no connection to the teammates. There's no connection to the purpose and the mission. Mm -hmm. 
when when you do it right when you onboard when you treat the person as if i'm investing in you then there'll be more people knocking on that door than you going out fishing in that big deep pond trying to pull the person at the very bottom you don't need to fish the you fish are need, jumping in the yeah, boat they're jumping on the boat because they want to be part of that because they understand that that cyclical nature of of, of flat rate is a byproduct, right? When you are working on someone else's car, how often does the technician get to see that customer at the end? Almost never. Almost never. So the connection to the customer is just that vehicle, the engine, the motor, that's the connection. They don't know the story. They don't know that that, that customer, it's really important to that customer to get their vehicle back so they can take their daughter to dance rehearsal, to, to gymnastics competition. They just know it's broken, yeah. right? Fix it. That's your job, fix it. So it becomes more transactional in nature. And that's where I think a big disconnect between people and process and pay are, are, are they're misaligned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, I, when we were talking about this onboarding concept or the onboarding idea, when you bring new teammates into the fold, Everyone should be responsible to that technician bringing them. I know we're going off a little bit on a tangent here, but when you're talking about onboarding, very different from there's a, a bay number three, put your tools there, there's a car on the lift, and everyone coming by and introducing themselves and explaining why they're a part of this organization, why it matters to them, how their role plays into your role and supporting your transition into the new organization why do we miss that because it's transactional based it's all about i want to see how many hours joshua can turn for me that's it when i'm not interested in connecting you're you've got a tool those are your hands and your mind and i want you to put i want to put you to work yes there's a time and place for that but what's the intrinsic value how long does very that little. technician it's very little in and you know just a, a metaphor of sorts but when you take a, a you know how many hours can can they turn for me and you turn into more of a you know Bob is gonna move into to bay number three we've got a we've got a job for him on the hoist already so he can be making money right away to turn it into the next level it's like Bob's moving in today let's make sure that he gets a warm welcome I want to make sure that in ten years that that young Bobby jr goes through college right how do we help him do how do we help him do that now we're connecting you to me to the company to the mission to the purpose to the to to everything and that's your culture your culture can be either transactional or or, or commodity based fast and that's what matters what he brought to me lately or it can be connected and you can still get a higher level of growth when you're connected in fact I'd, I'd say with the right leadership, you can triple your output because there is that connection. Everyone knows the mission. They know the, the client's vehicle. They know the, the, the impact that it has on someone else's life or within their own life, right? And you almost know it when you meet a good leader, even if you've never met them before, when they, the way they carry themselves, the way they hold themselves, the way they talk about their team. The team's doing really well. Like, you know, Bobby Jr. just went to college. You know, Bob's been working with us for 25 years. Right. We, we, we're going to see the next generation come up. Or things like how they carry themselves to in a small amount. Do they ask a question and then stand back? 
allow someone to respond and then ask a follow-up question that's related to the answer and then they keep doing it. So, and what else? How can we help? What can we do for you and your family? Right. Those little tidbits, if you, a, a, a great leader that, that, that I would say is something that, you know, a fundamental definition of a great leader is someone who's constantly asking questions and follow-up questions. And yes, they may need to learn how to listen a little bit better and they might not be a, a great listener, but if they're constantly asking questions about your well-being, how are you doing? We're not talking about how many hours you've turned. Right, right. How are you? Doing? If you're having that conversation and the first answer is, "Well, I turned 82 hours this week," mm -hmm. that's not the connection, mm -hmm. right? That that is not. I'm not asking you how you're doing in terms of what are you doing for me, mm -hmm. right? We're asking how you're doing, and how we support you, and when you can have that relationship, that's that that circle of relationship, I can count on you when things aren't going well. And you can count on me when things aren't going well. When you have to leave at three o'clock because you have that, you know, your, your your daughter's dance recital at five, and you have to be home in time. Yet I got that last car. It's got to go in your bay, man. It's got to go in your bay. And I don't know your why. And what's only important to me is the cyclical nature of the business. It's the commodity. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put that bay, that car in your bay. And what are you gonna do? Exactly. You're either gonna, you know, I ate something bad. Ed said it really well today in his meeting. I ate something bad for lunch today, boss. So I'm probably not gonna make it. So they're gonna, they're gonna do what's right for their family. And what they're gonna do when they get home is they're gonna tell, well, I had to, I had to tell the boss I wasn't feeling well, just to get out of there. Instead, we take a different approach and we say, hey, listen, you're coming up on your time. I know we got another car, but you have to be at your daughter's dance recital. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna move this car, this car, and this car. And let's do this. Since you gotta leave at three o'clock, why don't you come in an hour earlier tomorrow, or we'll let you stay an hour later tomorrow, and we'll wrap up a couple of these items that we have on the bay. Imagine the power that you feel now, because I not only acknowledged your why, but I made a connection to your family. Like I'm saying, your family is just as important as this business. That's, that's, your family is just as important to us as this business is. That's a mic drop, right? That's amazing. And I think that's, that's a great way to close that out. That's awesome. a great way to ignite it. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you brother, much. for I having me. Your time. Shout out. Coach Joe, come and visit me on LinkedIn anytime. We drop a lot of bombs all the time. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, brother. And you got to come on my podcast, too. 100%. 100%. We're going to set that up. And that is the end of today's special NADA 2023 episode. Thank you for the coaching session, Joe. I really appreciate it. And I hope everybody listening does, too. Subscribe to the Wrench Turners podcast if you haven't already on your streaming service of choice to make sure you don't miss the next episode when it drops on Wednesdays. Who do we talk to next week, do you ask? Richard Mueller, RSE. A shop foreman with GM and 15 years of experience on the shop floor. You don't want to miss it. Are you an automotive service manager? Are you pulling out what's left of your hair trying to satisfy your shop team? Is the team not staying current with their training? And you don't know why. Is the team having trouble trusting each other and you don't know why. Is the shop foreman trying to get them together, trying to improve their efficiency with process, and they're not doing it, and you don't know why? 
The Wrench Turner's Wellness Survey could help you identify the keys to unlocking those mysteries. If it's not a bad idea, email me, joshua, at justworkhard.com to set up a free discovery call today. Lastly, I want to leave you with a quote until next week. Coaches have to watch for what they don't want to see and listen for what they don't want to hear. John Madden. Thank you very much for listening. Hope to hear you back here next week. And remember, always clean your toys before you put them away.